Hi, this is Tara. And this is EJ. And welcome to Relationship Renovation Podcast. We are super excited for today. Yeah, we're excited today. We have a uh, we have an interview today. We've brought in a special guest, one of the therapists on our staff. Her name is Jessie Crawl. And she's pretty spectacular. Thank you. How are you, Jesse? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Right yeah, yeah Jesse's uh, another therapist here. She works with couples and individuals. And do you mind kind of just telling us a little bit about yourself, your background? Sure. So I got into this field pretty honestly, as I'm sure many therapists have. Um, going through my own journey with a dark night of the soul and doing a lot of work on myself and meeting some awesome therapists along the way who really saved my life. And I wanted to give that back to other people. And relationships in particular are really dear to my heart because I was like what I would call unlucky in love for years and years and years. And then I realized that it was really some of my own stuff and my own patterns. And I did a lot of work to really look at my part in past relationships and wasn't working, what wasn't working. And then also to look at my attachment style and and that's a whole nother podcast. Sure, sure. But, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, and uh, so I found love and I'm married to really an amazing man. And yeah, I feel like it can help anyone to have an awesome relationship. Right I always love hearing kind of like the background history of therapists because we always are, I kind of call ourselves like wounded healers. And then the more we kind of experience our own suffering and then really grow from it and gain that awareness, that's like, that's what creates that ability to really help others and be empathetic and compassionate. Yeah. You know, what we, I guess, like to begin exploring is, you know, we all have sort of our, you know, our individual areas of expertise and, uh, you know, just our perspectives that we, we bring to being therapists. What is that for you, Jesse? Well, I have a certificate in what's called somatic experiencing, which is a form of trauma therapy that was created by Peter Levine. We'll put it in the show notes if you want to look up the website to learn more about somatic experiencing. But I will tell you that when people hear trauma, they get kind of nervous because that's a really loaded word. Sure. Yes. So what I like to tell people is it's not just big T trauma, it's also little t trauma. So trauma in the sense of your nervous system has been dysregulated. And so, you know, I I was using this at first with individuals and then realized that it's really helpful in couples too. And and we can go into that a little bit more today. Yeah. What I mean, so I think a, a, a launching off point for people is because we as therapists, we use the word somatic a lot and we, you know, we click right away. We know what that is. Like yeah. may, maybe help people understand yeah. that. So somatic really means body. So it's a little different than your standard talk therapy. While there can be talk involved as well, We're really, as somatic experiencing practitioners, guiding people to have awareness of their body sensations and to really be aware of their nervous system, too. 
That reminds me of just like, yes, because how aware are couples during arguments of their body? Exactly. Not, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think that's definitely something, uh, a little clue we give to couples oftentimes is paying attention to what you're feeling in your body oftentimes will allow you to regulate better, right? And, and be able to probably communicate in a more healthy way. Well, yeah, it helps you kind of lower your defenses, which yeah. is huge in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I teach couples about is called the window of tolerance, which if you picture a literal window, you picture at the top of the window is hyper arousal, which could look like anxiety. It could look like fighting or fleeing. And then at the bottom of that window, you have hypo arousal, which could look more like shutting down, mm -hmm. walking away, mm -hmm. just really not being available. Just withdrawing. Yeah, yeah. withdrawing. Um, so starting to gain an awareness of what's within that window so it's not hitting on the top line or the bottom line. What is your sort of healthy area where you can have a conscious conversation where your thinking brain is still online, your prefrontal cortex? What happens when you go out of that window is the prefrontal cortex comes offline. And so now you're operating from a mammalian brain. Sorry, I'm geeking out off here. To, <laughs> off to the races. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, I think it, and it also just fits into like the way couples find an imbalanced balance, right? Is a lot of times there's one person, I think what you're talking about, the window of tolerance that's on the top, who's like yeah. highly activated, Bam! They're 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 going and they're raising yeah. their voice. They're trying to pursue. Yeah, and then the other person is trying to get out of the way, and they're and they're they're shutting down emotionally. They're protecting themselves. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and what I mean, what it, what happens then when when couples are on opposite sides of that? It can get really messy. Um, one example that stands out to me, and it's actually common. I've seen it in multiple couples is one of the couples who's on the high activation side, they will just jump to, this relationship is over. I can't mm -hmm. do this. I'm done. And yes. they're like ready to, to get out and yeah. call it quits. But really what, from my perspective, is probably happening is because trauma is stored in the body and trauma is stored in the nervous system, maybe there was a time that this person who's so highly activated, they were basically trapped and they, yeah. they couldn't flee, but they needed to flee. So now if that gets triggered somehow and it's almost subconsciously, then they're like, oh my gosh, I need to flee. I need to get away. And it's not a conscious process that's happening. It's not a conscious process, but what happens too is then like the brain starts to perceive your partner as like dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's what we, we really try to support couples and like, how do you guys try to have conflict in a healthy way so your brain doesn't perceive like, you know, your partner is the lion chasing after you and about to devour you. <laughs> well, so, so maybe can you cycle back and talk about how, okay, so you have this concept of window of tolerance, right? Yeah. And then, but the overarching is, is somatic experience, right? Is, right. is being aware of your body. Yeah. So how do those, like, can you could tie those yeah. together for us? Beautiful. That's such a great question. So what I like to do is really help people in small ways begin to just 
learn how to scan their body and know their body sensations Mm -hmm. so they can, in a preventative way, know when there really is some activation. So I like to talk about the power of the pause. So the pause... I love that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The pause ideally can happen as activation starts to rise, and it can be a way for couples to say, okay, wait, let's just pause, let's not engage, so it doesn't go to those dark places. However, I suggest people do it as a preventative measure, so practicing little pauses throughout their day, Mm -hmm. even one minute at a time. And during that pause, doing a body scan, the best little trick that I have for really getting people to get in the present moment, which is so much about why we're feeling into our body, Mm -hmm. is to notice your feet on the ground. Like Mm -hmm. if you're sitting, just notice the feet, bring attention there, notice your sit bones. And, you know, just doing a full body scan and remembering I'm here right now. Because when we're outside of the window of tolerance, it's like we've gone somewhere else. We're not in the moment. So we talked about this a little bit the other day and you were telling me about the power of the pause and also practicing outside of the moment when you actually need it, you know, when you're activated. And I I was telling a couple about this and I was saying like, because they highly activate, they have a certain scenario that when they're in it, they just both go off to the races and same thing. They just go in complete opposite directions. So we were strategizing ways to practice pausing out of it. and, And what they came up with was when they come together, you know, like after when one's been one place, the other's been at work, that they come together, that they're going to start taking like 30 seconds where they just yeah. like stop. Mm-hmm. They, they are in the room together. Okay, we're here. All right, now let's start talking. And they loved it because, I mean, it's serving two purposes, right? They're learning how to maybe pause in a time where they're activated, but then they're also going to now become more intentional about coming together and and being together and starting it and not yeah. bringing all their baggage from the last thing. You know? Yes. I just got chills listening to that. And my, my husband and I, for a while, and sometimes we're better at this than others, we initiated when we would come home before we would really engage, we'd sit in silence and just close our eyes and be together, sometimes holding hands. And then we have a eight-year-old or my eight-year-old stepson, Mm -hmm. and we invited him into it too. So it can be like this whole family endeavor and learning that, you know, there is there is power in that pause before you just jump right in. It also kind of reminds me of kind of having a system where if you know, like for EJ and I, like at the end of the day, when we would get off of work, sometimes after a 10 hour day and, you know, just holding emotional space for couples and individuals all day, that is when we would get into like our arguments and it was repetitive. And we were finally like, um, cause I'm already kind of drained. I don't have that space anymore. And so EJ and I kind of had to have this agreement, like, look, after work on a weeknight, we just cannot talk about difficult things unless it's like an emergency (laughs) that we just can't go there because just our nervous system is already spent for the day. And after we kind of came up with that system and, you know, we'll talk about important things the next day or when we actually have the ability to, like it was significant shifts for us and the way conflict would be talked about, I guess. And I, and I think it fits like perfectly into your whole, the window of tolerance thing, right? Is because, because at the end of the day, 
I am like cash and I'm, and I'm like, I, I'm listening to a podcast in my hearing aid and I'm checked out. Like I'm barely there. And Tara is maybe like a little more frazzled and, and maybe a little more on the anxious side at the end of the day. Absolutely. And so we're like in totally opposite places just to begin with, you know, yeah. not let alone if then we start talking about, you know, something interpersonally that's, that's complicated, like our launch place at 10 o'clock at night is not going to take us anywhere good nine out of 10 times, probably. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to go after eight o'clock at night, but yep, absolutely. (laughs) So I think even just pausing in those moments, even like when we get home from work at night and we know that, you know, that we've already agreed we're not going to talk about anything difficult, but just to be present, like when we know that we're dreaming, but we still want to be connected. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm just hearing so much consciousness of of knowing your own window of tolerance and then also knowing your partner's window of tolerance and then, you know, making healthy choices based on when are you like actually within the window. And then you're going to have much better conversations. If there is conflict, you're going to be able to navigate in a a kind and loving way, which I believe is possible. It's just we set ourselves up for failure by being at times where we're cranky or tired or Mm -hmm. totally outside of that healthy window. Absolutely. I mean, just can you imagine if we all just had systems like that to know when our best time is and how we do the power of the pause in order to stay open-hearted during times of distress. Wow. Yeah. So Eric, as we talk about this, it's been something I've been thinking about a lot in, in working with couples, especially like towards the end of our work together, of how much like creating a healthy relationship is about like layering all these tools together, like that, that one, there's no like one thing that solves everything. Because really what, you, what you're talking about here is a number of things, right? It's about being mindful of where you, you and your partner is. It's about knowing that you guys could be in very different places. It's an intervention that you develop of, of taking a pause. You know, it's like, it's, it's not as easy as one thing. And I think couples want that one solution and they have to realize that like, there's so much awareness that goes into navigating conflict in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. It's like overwhelming sometimes. I know even us who who supposedly we you know we know a lot of the tools. It feels like wow, it is hard to do this. But we also know because you know that's we practice it because we have to because this is what we do and we can't be hypocrites in our practice. And it actually really works. I would say eight out of ten times. I mean, there will be those imperfect times where it just gets to us and we're hijacked by our fear, our anger, our frustration deeper unconscious beliefs, you know, but every time you do this and you pause and you reflect and you take that time to stay open-hearted, you grow. You grow individually and as a couple and even as a family. And I would say too, if people want to learn how to tune in more with your body sensations, because I'll be honest, it's not a super natural skill for most of us. It wasn't for me. The the first time I actually went to a somatic experiencing practitioner, she's like, what do you feel in your body? And I must have looked at her like she oh, like, had three heads. Yeah. You know? 
So um, one of my favorite tools for just practicing, there are a lot of guided body scans available for free. My very favorite one is by Kristen Neff, and it's called the Compassionate Guided Body Scan. And it just takes you, so you're really starting to bring awareness to really every part of your body, head to toe, and you're just, you're checking in, like, is there Mm -hmm. heat? Is there cool? Is there expansion? Is there tension? Is there vibration? I mean, there's so many potential sensations that we all have, but we just don't even know that they're happening. And as we learn our own sensations, we can start to learn about our partners too through touch. And that's like a whole advanced yeah, whole practice. Yeah. <laughs> I think the so again to pull it to pull it back to kind of integrating different tools that make for a happy, healthy relationship is one of the things we talk early on in the program about is being able to express your emotions to your partner instead of your perceptions or your point of view, right? And a lot of times there's a member of the couple who's not very tuned into their feelings and doesn't and doesn't even like really know. They know when they're angry, they know when they're frustrated, maybe sad, probably happy. You know, they got like four or five. And when you ask them to talk about a more complex emotion or more specific emotion, they really struggle. And somatic awareness, awareness of your body is definitely a tool that that we use. So for an individual who does feel a little more checked out from their feelings, Mm -hmm. right? Or or, or they feel like their partner is always saying like, I don't know what you're feeling. What do you say? Like, how, how does a person use their body awareness to become more aware and expressive of their emotional That's needs? a great question. I love that you're asking that. And I actually have a lot of clients who are super analytical, which isn't surprising because I'm like that as well. Like, <laughs> I was really heady before I found somatic experiencing. So what we find is that emotions are really just constellations of body sensations. So if you're able to not only name an emotion, which there is, there is a phrase, you name it, you tame it. So once mm. you name it, yep. like things are going to settle Brain down. makes a good label. Yeah. And so I teach them to start to identify where does that emotion land in your body. So for example, like I might feel fearful and then I feel a tightness in my chest. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I feel joy and there's like a sense of opening and expansion Mm -hmm. and lightness in my heart area. So really starting to connect the two. So Mm -hmm. not trying to process emotions in, in our heads and right. have it be a heady thing, but to allow ourselves to process emotions through the body. And that is actually the only way I've ever been able to really start to feel and process my emotions. I mean, even the word feel, it's like more about how we feel in the body. It's, yeah. it's physical, yeah. but people don't learn it that way Instead usually. Instead of more, you write a thought construct yeah. as yeah. a feeling in the body. I love that, Jesse. Yeah. Wow. I know that that when when we're in session with people and we ask them how they feel and you see their eyes go up and they look upward first and I can tell they're going into their their thoughts, thoughts. they're going into their cognitions and that's when I you know sometimes I'll ask them that we'll close your eyes 
or put your hand on your heart or your belly or something, just like bring your attention downward, you know, but that's what we do though. We, we go straight up to our head of like, what am I feeling? Well, I'm agitated because when she said that, I I really thought this and that's baloney. You know, we go off into a story, (laughs) a lot of thoughts and we're like, and that, and what we know for sure is that is not connecting. It's not vulnerable and it's not going to bring us to a, a place of connection with our partner. But when we bring our attention downward and we're like, oh, like when that happened earlier, like I just felt a sinking down into my stomach. And I think I was like really like hurt and sad. Different conversation, right? You know, even if the person gets slightly defensive, right. you know, you're not pointing your finger. You're not you blaming. Yeah. yeah. You're just taking accountability for your own feelings. And that's really the only control we have. Right? And it's really kind of liberating once um, you start doing that. It's like, oh, okay. Like, absolutely. Because we get so hijacked by our feelings and then it leads to like a downward spiral if they're uncomfortable and we don't have the tools. I always like to say like, I'd rather be the driver of my own bus than sit in the back seat and not knowing where that bus driver is going. And yeah. to me, it's like the, the more you're able to process emotions, accept them in the moment, you are like being the driver of your own bus. But what? But and what, sometimes you're on a ride. But it's it's <laughs> crazy though because like when you are up in your head, you have this like weird illusion that you actually are in control. Like there's something yeah. about at least me. I'm just speaking for myself that when I am intellectualizing it, when I am breaking down what you did wrong or or what happened to me when when that or what I thought, I feel like in control. But yet our uh, the experience in our relationship and our communication is completely out of control. It, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't go anywhere. We don't resolve conflict. But there's this, I mean, I think there's a big awareness that people have to have is that your brain does not always have the way out. You know, your logical side does not ha- help you through a complicated moment with your partner. Yeah. So to pull back one thread, I want to say something about you name it, you tame it. Because when, um, if somebody is really activated, they're on the top end of the window of tolerance Mm -hmm. and they're feeling really angry. And they might feel that like balling the fists, like tension in the forearms. Mm -hmm. And if they happened to stop, which most people aren't going to do this, but you can train yourself to do this. If you stop and say, I'm really angry right now. It actually, it does slow the mm-hmm. nervous system down just enough to make a conscious choice. And maybe yeah. the conscious choice is, okay, let's take a full pause. Or I don't know what the conscious choice would be depending right. on the scenario. But I wanted to say that because I think, you know, I have people label emotions every day in sessions. And sometimes they're like, oh, not again, Jesse. Why? And so, you know, there's like a real, there's a method to the madness. There's a reason for it. I'm telling you, I could sit here all day and talk to you about this, Jesse. It's just so interesting. Yeah. I love it. And totally like actionable, usable yes. information. So just to kind of circle back for everybody who's listening, I think the two big 
concepts or tools that that we we spoke about today and are you can use are the window of tolerance is is asking yourself next time you're going into a complicated scenario with your partner or you're in the midst of it where are you you know are are you in the middle because I'm I'm assuming if you're in the middle you got a better chance of getting through it in a positive way and then the other aspect is how being aware of of what you are literally feeling in your body is a clue to your emotional pathway. And if you can find your way down to there, find words to express it to your partner, it's probably going to be more hearable. It's probably going to be something that connects you instead of pulls you apart. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. This has been absolutely awesome. Yes, thank you, Jesse. I can tell you talk. Tara and I are sharing a microphone. Know, it's, it's been so like a wrestling match throughout the <laughs> Get out of the way. <laughs> but I mean, just so grateful to have you here being able to incorporate the somatic work with all of the other work we do here. And I mean, it's just such a it's such a gift to give couples that the gift of awareness and mindfulness and just really being able to take control in a healthy way during difficult moments, which a lot of us, we struggle with that. All right. Well, once again, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, Relationship Renovation Podcast. Uh, please reach out to us. We, we'd love to get your questions, your suggestions. You can always uh, send us an email at he said, she said counseling at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach out to us via Facebook. It's at he said, she said counseling and Instagram at he said, she said couples. Hope you guys have a really wonderful week. Thanks again, Jesse. Thanks, you guys. Take care of each other. All right. Bye-bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the same. Me and you have all the fame we need. Indeed, you and me are we. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.